all places together. Here we believe that our lives are connected to one another and rooted in God's inclusive and expansive love for diverse creation. I'm Colleen Montgomery, pastor of All Places Together. I'm Emmer Kate Sanders, and we're your podcast hosts. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. This week's episode is called Shameless Audacity. Welcome back to our series on the parables. Last week, we dug into Pastor Colleen's choice, which was the parable of the vineyard workers. And this week, we're exploring the parable of the friend at midnight, which is also sometimes referred to as the importunate or persistent neighbor. I don't think I know the word importunate. I'm like looking at it and I don't even know how to say it. Importunate, I looked it up for the purpose of this podcast and it basically means persistent. It's in that same. Cool. Persistent to a point of annoyance. So. Oh, fun. Well, someone's going to be using that with their children this week. So you've already learned something great from this episode. So similar to last week's episode, we'll read through the parable once, introduce helpful historical context, explore how the story fits into what Jesus was teaching and doing at that point in his ministry. And then after all of that, we'll listen to the parable a second time. So we can come back to really reflect on how this parable can be meaningful in our lives today. And I also want to add here Joanne also requested this one as part of our voting process. So shout out to Joanne as having the same mind as Emma Kate. I believe we're in good company. I love it. (laughs) So uh, next week's episode will conclude our series on the parables. It will follow a similar format as today. And at that point, we'll reveal the parable that you, dear listeners, voted for over on Instagram. And we've been keeping it a secret, but we're really excited. For now, let's settle in to hear the parable of the friend at midnight from the Gospel of Luke. I'm reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verses 5 to 12. And Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything out of friendship, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds and everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asked for a fish, would give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asked for an egg, would give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
All right, Emmer Kate, you dug deep into this one. So, what historical context should we have in mind um, as we're listening to this parable? The first thing that I think is helpful to keep in mind when we're looking at this story is the the context of what a family home would have been like uh, typically in that time for most people. And most people, they, they would have had a central room in their home, and that's where everyone in the family would sleep. I mean, if they were more wealthy, perhaps they had some different areas. But for the average family, um, they would all be in one room together. So when we think about um, the household that this persistent neighbor goes to, the friend is inside with the rest of the family. They're all tucked into bed. And this this knocking on the door is going to wake everybody up. So it's not just um, affecting the friend that, that is being asked. It's, it's everybody else. So it's a big nuisance. It's not just asking um, in the middle of the day and, and you can say no. Or it's like, hey, my children are asleep. And, and thinking about um, households and how difficult. I don't have children myself, but just knowing um, how difficult it can be to get everyone settled in the house. To then be woken up in the middle of the night. Nobody wants that. Especially this is like the last thing that you want. Yeah. Exactly. So, so situating it in that context of like, this is a big annoyance. This is already, we've got a point against this friend. So, um, like, are you really a friend if you're coming in the middle of the night and waking up my sleeping children? (laughs) I guess probably, but like, this is an ask. Like, yeah, like what you just said, like, this isn't a middle of the day. Can I borrow a cup of sugar? This is like, don't trip over your newborn as you come to get me these three loaves of bread. Yeah, and it may be, you know, if if you're in deep peril, one would say, yeah, okay, wake me up. But, oh, you want some bread? Why didn't you plan ahead in time? Um, so the, the person oh. who's coming to the door to ask, for whatever reason, they've got no food in their house. And they themselves have a traveler that uh, someone perhaps that they know, it could be a friend of theirs, or it could be a stranger um, that's in their house. And because of this duty to hospitality, he needs to to feed this person. And we can all relate to that. Um, you know, when you have a guest, you make sure that they have the things they need. And this guy's got nothing. The cupboard is bare. So he knows, okay, I have this guest, I have to, I have this responsibility to provide for them. And what am I going to do? Well, I know that I'm going to go to my friend and and ask them so that I can do this. And when the the person who's answering the door, they're not really thinking so much. um, Yeah, I'm going to help out because of my friendship to this person. It's really considering this duty to hospitality. And thinking about hospitality uh, is really in a a different context than than we view it today. Um, It was a really standard, sacred thing in the Mediterranean area at this time. It was deeply important to the social fabric. And it was what you do when people come to your door you have a responsibility to respond and try to fill that need. So 
it's helpful to think about um, the the person who's answering the door is really answering not out of friendship but out of this deep respect of hospitality right because like hospitality at that time in in many situations it was life and life or death that there weren't you know there's no best western or whichever one it is where like the light's always on which you know there's no motel six there's no marriott you know cities might have had inns or towns you know, where there's larger groups of people, there might have been like rooms to rent or something like that. But if you're really spread apart um, in more rural areas and it got to be nighttime, you know, it wasn't safe to be out at night. There were all kinds of, you know, creatures or whatever that might get you. There could also be people with bad intentions who might try to rob you or, or take advantage of certain situations during the night as well. And so both offering and receiving hospitality is a way of um, of life and death. And, and there was this idea that like um, it all kind of came back to to maybe not you, but like to your family or someone you loved. Like that you, when you open the door to this to a stranger and 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 offer hospitality and welcome someone in, that might mean that that person is going to open their door to a stranger that could be you or your family member. Um, But there was just like a wider notion of we have to do this for each other. Like this is how, you know, the culture and and our society works is, is relying on hospitality in this way. And so it, it, what it could have these kind of like life or death implications. So this, the stakes were actually a lot higher, like than just needing um, the simple food. Like it's it's part of a much bigger system at the time. So that's a really great framework for us to be able to begin to understand um, some of the historical context of what's going on in this story. So now, Emma Kate, will you guide us through um, what's going on with Jesus at the time that kind of sets up this story? Yeah, I in my reading about this parable, I found one, it's really interesting that this parable only appears in Luke. So um, oh, I didn't know we'll that. just kind of think about that as we will. But um, the way that looking at where this passage appears in Luke, I think of it kind of like a teaching sandwich. So the the thing that Jesus is talking about immediately before this is the Lord's Prayer. So the disciples are like, hey, John has a prayer. He's teaching his people how to pray. What, what's the deal, Jesus? Like, we need to know. What are you doing? How can we model that? So Jesus is like, okay, yes. Tells people how to do the Lord's Prayer. And then immediately segues into this parable. And, um, and then following it, so there's, looking at this passage, it's like kind of two parables for one, because you get the friend at midnight, and then there's this um, parable of of asking, kind of a like a bonus. And Jesus actually explains pretty plainly, I would argue, um, what is going on throughout the parable, which is like, thank, thank goodness, because so often, Jesus will say things and we're really left to our own devices, but I, I right, feel like with you this end one, with like some poetic sentence 
that like kind of connects, but you're like, what? <laughs> so it is yes. nice that we have an example where Jesus does offer a little bit more clarity. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so in thinking about the flow of these three kind of separate things that Jesus is doing, we can think of it all about how to pray, really still answering that initial question that the disciples mm. had. Um, and especially in the Lord's prayer in, in asking God for daily bread. Then when we go to the parable of the friend at midnight, bread is brought up again. And, and we see food um, in the, the eggs, not eggs. Yeah, eggs. You're right. It's it like a literal eggs. sandwich. Okay. It's like there's a metaphorical sandwich of this and there's also a literal sandwich. Okay. <laughs> yes, I didn't even think of the, the literal one. But yeah, so we've got all of these components. Um, and, and thinking about, you know, food as and daily bread, like that's our, our sustenance, you know, in real lived life of like you have to eat to survive but also the that nourishment that we get from god that is really essential and jesus is saying through these examples here's what to ask for and or an example of what to ask for and you've got to keep doing it and and you've got to just you know keep asking and keep asking and the expectation is that yes god is going to deliver on those prayers. God is not going to leave us hanging. Um, we just have to be persistent and go and go. And that type of persistence can be hard, like to keep up, especially if you are stressed or downtrodden is also the word that comes to mind. Um, so I think this kind of encouragement to persistence um, is really important for, for us too. Yeah. And, and Jesus explains um, the latter part of this passage that, that God's relationship to us is in the, in the scripture, it says father, but we can see that expansively as a parent that um, God has this parent child relationship with all of us. And in that, um, I think it's helpful and encouraging when we think about having to be persistent in asking for things or in praying to God, uh, reflecting on relationships with parents, although not everyone has uh, a situation where they have a reliable, loving, providing parent. Um, we can see that as perhaps an aspiration. Um, thinking about a love that a parent can have for their child in just no matter how many times they ask that love uh, can be just poured out, even if the, the child isn't asking, oftentimes there's that just unconditional love. So even in those moments when it is hard to be persistent, thinking about it, well, okay, if God is my, my parent, his caregiver for me, th there's this thread that's still going. And it's interesting um, in some of my reading that the way that we translate the Greek word that appears in this story, which I'm led to believe we pronounce it as anadia, but you I know, think you nailed it. I think that was great. Without without any Greek knowledge whatsoever, um, we'll just go with what that is. And it's 
commonly translated as persistence. If you open up your Bible, you may see a heading above this parable that says persistence in prayer. Um, but a lot of sources that I've looked at actually point to a different, perhaps more apt translation of this word to shamelessness or, mm. and then which that gets sort of brought out to shameless audacity. So not just asking and praying over and over again, but doing so in a bold way, in a way that's like, I'm not ashamed of what I'm asking for. I'm not ashamed of needing help or wanting to talk to God. Um, I'm just going to show up and do it. And there's, I think, such a beautiful, like underlying understanding of relationship there, that when you have a deep, loving relationship with someone, um, you you can have, you can be shameless and you can not, you know, in a rude or um, like improper way, but you're like, I'm not even worried about that. I'm just being myself and I'm saying like, this is what I need and I need help and, and not having to worry about those um, judgments. That's such a foundation of, of trust and love in that where to be able to, yeah, to shamelessly ask. That's just really powerful. That's just really, it's really sticking with me today. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. So now that we have this historical understanding of what was going on, we kind of understand a little bit more about what's going on with Jesus. And we've had an important transformative Greek lesson from Emmer Kate. Will you read for us again so we can listen for God speaking to us today? The passage again from Luke. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything out of friendship, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asked for a fish, you would give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asked for an egg, you would give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? My thoughts are already moving about hearing God in new ways through this. Um, but what did you hear? How did you hear God speaking in this text today, Emma Kate? What I really find in this text that's speaking to me is the act of, of prayer is really humbling mm. um, because no matter what it is, it's, it's a recognition that there's something beyond us that, um, that is at work in the world and that we can't do it all on our own. And it's saying, I myself can't 
do this with my own devices or within my own context. I can't figure it out. And it's humbling, but also empowering to say, okay, knowing where, where I am in this uh, situation to also know that, that God is there in this relationship with me and with, and with everyone to, to enable me to not hide what, what is really on my heart and to say, you know what? Yeah, this is, this is what's really happening. And, and to try to find some way through in, in really asking for help. And that's, there's a vulnerability in that, but it's also so empowering and you can just be really bold in that too. I know it's, it's sometimes really hard to say like what you need or, or to be honest, even if it's just in prayer, even if it's just saying it to God and not even saying it to another human person, um, it can make it feel like extra real or extra scary that you're admitting that there's a problem or an issue or that something broken. Um, but chances are like it already is broken and you might really need God to help find a way forward in that. Yeah. And something that like, that's such a comforting thing to, to work through and think about through this parable. And at the same time, I'm also wondering like, what about the times when, when we have been really persistent in prayer when we've been shameless and audacious in asking and boldly saying god i need help with this or this is not right and and what happens when those prayers maybe they're not being answered in the way that we want them to be or yeah or in a direct way especially thinking about um like violence or mm-hmm. war and like how you know, we can see that in, in today's landscape. Like, wh- how do we make sense of that? Yeah, I've got a lot of feelings getting... about that, Emma-Kate. So I am I am optimistic. Do you have the answer for us <laughs> today? I'm like, how many I times? No <laughs> I have no answers. Um, oh, bummer. It was worth asking. Yeah, I don't have any answers to it. But I guess the way for that I kind of get around that big question mark it's like oh shoot like if if we're being told okay ask and you will receive god's not going to turn you away at this door well what happens when we're not even sure where the door is we're not even sure uh if we're being heard all of these things life keeps falling apart or, or whatever situation keeps unfolding the way it does and we're not seeing anything um i take that as an invitation into the the practice and process of prayer that it's mm. um I'm looking down this is so funny I'm, I'm looking down at my uh computer and I have this sticker that I put on there um that I often forget about but it seems really important at this point it's a quote from Soren Kierkegaard it says the function of prayer is not to influence God but rather to change the nature of the one who prays mm. and yeah, that's so funny. I see that all the time and I, I didn't notice it until just now looking down. But that's really, I think, essential to to what I'm trying to say is that it's not about having some sort of influence on, okay, well, I asked for this, so this thing will be set in motion. It's, I think of it more as like 
praying and and reflecting on like what is that how is that changing me to to ask or to recognize that there's hurt in the world or some sort of need and to recognize that and to voice it and and how can I reflect in like not obvious ways how God is speaking and working in the world and maybe answering those prayers just in ways that that take more um, exploration. Yeah. And I wonder too about how then as we continue to pray over something, how we might be led to particular action, even if it seems like if God isn't, um, I think a lot about with this, um, about a very dear parishioner who died of cancer and like the number of times we prayed for her to be healed is unknowable. And I know that, you know, this for, for anyone who dies of cancer, if you know that it's cancer, you probably have countless people praying for you. Um, but, but how does the prayer change us and how we might show up for that person? Um, how we might be motivated to, to give towards causes. Maybe some little kid hears these prayers and decides to go into science or, or medicine to care for people who are being affected by cancer. Like, and that, and that those are way that ways that God is and can continue to bring like peace and love and hope and some type of healing into the world, even if death is still what happens. Um, because that's the reality for all of us. Um, but how does prayer, how does persistent prayer like change the way that we show up? Maybe sometimes out of our spite that God isn't showing up in the ways that we want. I mean, we can be shameless in that too. Yeah. And with that persistent continued sustained prayer like what is it showing to us even in the things that we're naming and saying this has value or this is important and and how seeing that too can call us to action and um when we think of praying for for peace in our world not just Mm um so that some theoretical people somewhere are not being killed or experiencing violence or enacting violence on others. But um, not just for the sake of not having war, but saying it that life is really valuable and that there's there's something beautiful that we want for, for all people to continue that. Yeah. Real people in real places that are really suffering. We pray for that every day. I need to continue to be persistent in that, definitely. Well, dear listener, we hope that our conversation today inspires you to have shameless audacity in your prayer life this week. That whatever is going on in in your life, in your corner of the world, and all of the hurt that we see across the world, um, that you can be bold to pray um, for God to show up and Here's hoping that God shows each of us some small way that we can join with God and move with God in bringing peace and hope and love into the world wherever we are.
shameless audacity. Holy One, we know you want to hear from us. Whether that's simply checking in to say hello or coming to you with a situation too big for us to deal with, you provide avenues for us to reach you. You always have space to hold our needs and desires, and you're never too annoyed to hear us out. Asking you for help can be so difficult. We can feel ashamed or inferior for not having it all together, not figuring out the solutions ourselves. But we can't do this on our own. Embolden us with a sense of shameless audacity to come knocking at your door even at the midnight hour. Strengthen us to persistently advocate for our communities, our loved ones, and ourselves. When we knock, answer. When we ask, give. Wrap us into your arms of mercy and grace like a loving parent. Even when the answer to our persistent prayers is complicated or indirect, Help us to know you are listening and at work in our lives, no matter whoever, wherever, or however we are. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. We hope you experience God's love for you and the world in today's episode. If you're listening to this on the Sunday it came out, our next Zoom communion is tomorrow, Monday, November 20th. So if you want to get on the list to get that Zoom link, send me a DM or an email today. And just so that you know, as part of the service, we will also be commemorating the Trans Day of Remembrance, which is also tomorrow. I hope to see you there. We've got a space ready for you. I hope you heard that All Places Together is offering a new uh, service through our Advent social media packs. This is something that you can instantly download on our website to help empower and shape your congregation's social media ministry this Advent. You can buy it, get it instantly. It's just $12 for a pack. And you can then get all of your social media for Advent scheduled before Thanksgiving. You can get it done this week. And a great part of it is that you also get to support the ministry of all places together in the process. As always, thank you to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and listeners like you who share generously with the ministry of all places together. Thank you to anyone and everyone who gives to support the ongoing work of APT. If you would like to make a gift to All Places Together, you can go to our website, allplacestogether.org. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give Now, click that button, and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. You can set up a one-time gift or even recurring donations through that page. Until next time, remember that God is with you and loves you wherever, whoever, and however you are.